Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creation Podcast, the show where we discuss the science that confirms scripture. I'm your host, Trey, and my guest today is ICR research scientist and geologist, Dr. Timothy Clary. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. It's wonderful to be here again. Good, good. Yeah, we love having you on the show because you rock. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a good pun. Thank you. All right. Uh, So Dr. Clary, today we're going to talk about carbon dating. Uh, Now, from my understanding, very limited understanding, albeit, uh, that scientists use carbon carbon dating to determine the age of the rocks and fossils and other such things. Uh, Can you provide a little clarity into what that is? Well, it's not quite true. I mean, people have that perception all the time when they... When they take a class, if I'm teaching a class or something like that, they always think, well, doesn't carbon-14 tell us how old the rocks are? I'm like, well, it really doesn't. Uh, Carbon-14 only works on organic compounds, really, things that were alive and are now dead. Okay. And then so you can date things like plants. You can date things that are, you know, human bones. You can date things that were alive at one point and have have since died. And so rocks, it doesn't work in uh, unless there's organics in it, but. The idea of carbon-14 is it has a limited half-life. It decays away, half the half-life they call it, half of it disappears or decays away every 5,730 years or so. And so that's the current rate. And so that, you know, every every 5,000 years, you lose half what you had. And so as a geologist in the evolutionary world, you believe the Earth is billions of years old. You believe many of these rocks are millions of years old. They don't even use carbon-14, even if they have organic debris like coal and things in the layers where they could use carbon-14 or bones like dinosaurs where they could use carbon-14. They still don't for the most part because they don't believe there's any carbon-14 left, that it all had decayed away. So carbon-14 is interesting because people hear about it so much because it's used more in the archaeological community. Uh, But it only goes back, you know, some people say 60,000 years at the oldest before it's pretty much not measurable. Maybe you could push it to closer to 100,000 years. But that's pretty much it. Then you're measuring things that are really, really minute mm. because most of it's decayed away. So how it really kind of works is an animal dies. We use King Tut, for example. Okay. He dies. They mummify his body. They take a little tiny piece of his body, you know, go through the whole process and the mass spectrometer and all this mm-hmm. detailed chemistry, and they determine essentially when he died. And because uh, you measure the amount of carbon-14 that's left, and so you and I, we're alive, we're breathing in CO2, we're eating plants, we're eating the animals that ate plants. We kind of get in an equilibrium right. with the world today. And so today's world, everybody pretty much is the same age if we were to date your great-grandmother or someone that's really, really old and ourselves take a little piece of our you know, hair or something and get the carbon-14 out of it, you could actually see that we're all the same age because we're all in equilibrium. Gotcha. So I'm the same age as you, basically 14. You'd like to believe so. I'd like to think that. (laughs) But once an animal or an organism dies, they stop bringing in carbon-14, and the carbon-14 they have kind of locked in their body starts to decay away. Okay. And so it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. They're no longer eating or breathing. They no longer add a new carbon-14 to keep the equilibrium level up. And so we can kind of determine when, for example, King Tut died. Now, carbon-14 is accurate for a few thousand years, I believe, because they were able to tie in coins of certain you know, Roman emperors and things like that back for a few thousand years. Right. They can verify the dates that they're finding in the same layers of sediment to those dates and the organic debris that they find in the 
they can get that and verify that. So I think it does work for a few thousand years. Okay. But beyond that, all bets are off because we don't know what the atmospheric carbon levels were. And this is a particular problem in the pre-flood world. You know, we think there was a lot more carbon in the pre-flood world. Everything was kind of lush and green and CO2 levels might have been much different, much higher than they are today. And there's some indications of that in the rocks. Right. But that would throw the carbon-14 out of whack and make everything look really, really old because there's more of the stable isotopes of carbon, carbon-12, which is the most common isotope. And these terms, you're looking at me like, what's an isotope? <laughs> isotope is the same element with a different mass. It has a little, okay. an extra neutron, neutron in its nucleus or, or more. So carbon-12 so car versus yeah, carbon-14. Carbon-12, they all have six protons. Okay. That's what makes them carbon but carbon-12 has six neutrons, so when you weigh it, the chemists have determined they're about protons and neutrons weigh about the same, the mass. They get carbon-12, six and six. Carbon-13, you have six protons again to make it carbon and an extra neutron to give it a, a mass of 13. Those are both stable. We don't see those decaying. They're not radioactive. But then you add an extra neutron in, which is a very small amount. Each one of these, there's you know, a lot of carbon-12 out there. Right. There's a little tiny bit of carbon-13, and there's a, even less carbon-14, even at today's rates, Okay. which is made up in the upper atmosphere, and there's a kind of a constant production of it. But uh, the carbon-14 then has that second neutron that makes it weigh or has a mass of carbon-14 because mm -hmm. there's six protons and eight neutrons. And, and that makes it unstable. It's kind of yeah. like a tire that's got, you know, it's not balanced right. It's just going to kind of wobble, wobble, wobble. Eventually, spontaneously, it'll decay. Right. And it reverts back to nitrogen. So it's a, it's a simple process. There's no intermediate steps. What geologists use for the really old, what they say are old rocks, to get these old dates, which, again, we don't believe are accurate, is they use other methods uh, that work mostly with igneous rocks, using argon, Decays of argon, potassium, argon, that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes uranium, lead. But there's a lot of intermediates on those. They're very complicated systems. And, and we think there's so many assumptions built into all methods that most of those methods that get the millions and billions of years are, are inaccurate. Okay. And you can't verify them. With carbon-14, at least for a few thousand years, you can verify based on coins and things found at that same level. And, the, you know, the most recent... At least reasonably right, so. Right, the most recent past, yeah. we assume, is probably the most likely, like, our atmosphere is the same. Right. But if you go too far in the past, like, even Ice Age fossils, the Ice Age fossils seem to be out of whack. They Suddenly, the ages go way up, and it's probably because the carbon was much different in the atmosphere at the time. And if you have a lot more carbon-12 and carbon-13, and, you know, the same amount of production of carbon-14, right. but you have a lot more of the other isotopes... Everything's going to look really old. So right mm. off the bat, these look old. And we've actually dated coal seams. We've dated dinosaur bones. And some of the secularists have as well. Some of the evolutionary scientists have dated coal with carbon-14 just to see what happens, trying to get a zero. But they don't get zero. They get measurable carbon in oil, coal, dinosaurs, even diamonds. Which doesn't make sense right. if the world is as old as they claim it is. Right. They shouldn't have anything there. And it's right. greater than the... Contamination levels. So that's usually they all throw their hands up and go, oh, it's all contamination. Mm. But it's really not. It's, this seems real and legitimate. But yeah, you're getting ages that may be like 20 to 40, 20 to 1,000 years to 50,000 years. It's consistent. Everything shows that same age. 
because we believe they were buried in the flood at the same time. Right. But they're a little bit, you know, there's been some leaching in and out of the system uh, since they were buried. You get a little bit of alteration, but you shouldn't see carbon-14 at all. And so some creationists say carbon-14 is their best friend. In some ways it is because it shows stuff that should be at zero, should be reading, you know, numbers so small we can't measure them. So they essentially should show zero, Mm -hmm. but yet they always show measurable carbon above the contamination levels, always consistent, you know, 20, 30 to 50,000 years old, even the dinosaurs. Right. And to us, that says these things are not that old. Right. But if numbers are, what, 10 times bigger than we expect, you know, we think the flood was 4,500 years ago or so. Uh, It's because the pre-flood world, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. probably had a lot less carbon-14 to carbon-12 and 13. Because there's a lot more carbon in the the atmosphere in general. And and regardless... uh, a few thousand years difference mm-hmm. is a lot closer than a few million years difference. That's uh, right. On I mean, the other they, end yeah, of they're, things. They're, yeah, their claim is, you know, dinosaurs are 66 million years old mm-hmm. or older, back to like 230 million years now. Uh, and so, but we don't see that. Any dinosaur that's been tested shows a consistent amount of carbon-14 to be between about 20,000 and 50,000 years. Mm. And to me, an ICR sent off a research project called the Rate Project, about uh, well, t- 20 years ago now, and they sent diamonds off, a bunch of diamonds, mm. got them carbon dated. And it's hard to contaminate a diamond. Right. You know, a diamond's one of the most hard, hardest natural substances on earth, and they found measurable carbon in all those as well, and showing the same ages. You know, old, but only tens of thousands of years old. And so they're supposed to be billions of years old. Right. Most of the diamonds that you know people are wearing and sticking their ears and on their rings, they're supposed to be a billion years old or older. There should be no carbon-14 in these. How does the carbon-14 get in there? Nobody's really answered that. Hmm. They're not that old. They're not. They're yeah, not that that's, old. That's the answer. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's 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 what that seems to indicate to me mm-hmm. at the very least. So let's actually uh, shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the other dating methods mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Um, what's up with those? Are they reliable? Are they accurate? What kind of ages do they give? Well, I don't, I don't think they're very reliable at all. I mean, and, and the tests show that, and we'll get to that in a minute. But these other methods, they usually date igneous rocks. Right. Uh, that works the best on igneous rocks. They can do some sedimentary rocks and some things, and some detrital zircons and things like that. They can extract out of sandstones, and they can kind of see the maximum ages of things. But for the most part, they're using minerals from igneous rocks that crystallized. Okay. And they kind of determine the time of crystallization. And you can use metamorphic rocks as well that were changed, but that's a little trickier. But uh, for the most part, they're using these really slow decaying elements that are isotopes, again, of potassium, isotopes of rubidium, turning right. to strontium, and some of these rather obscure uh, chemical uh, elements. Uh, but there's you know uranium to lead, that sort of thing. Right. But Makes they come sense. up, those are the things that have really slow half-lives. You okay. know, we're looking at, 400 million year half-lives and things like that. Really, really slow measure. Yeah, Yeah, and they have to measure the half-lives, you know, by getting a a chunk of that particular material and watching it decay for a while. And so you wonder if they're off a little bit and that's going to throw things way off. But for the most part, it seems like they're getting the today's decay rates accurate. So that's one assumption they have to make is are the decay rates, you know, measured correctly? And they seem to be for the most part. Okay. But then they also assume that they never changed. And so there are instances where we're seeing, even today, 
some of these elements that are radioactive actually will change their decay rate under certain conditions. Okay. And so that assumption may not be as valid as well. And then the another assumption they assume is there's been no in and out of the system type of thing when they measure these rocks. So they're measuring a rock. They're saying this rock decayed into this rock. They, that's called the parent rock is the original radioactive element. Turns into the daughter. So carbon fourteen, that's the parent. Nitrogen fourteen is the daughter. decay product. That's the daughter. So all these radioactive elements have, you know, original amounts and then a daughter amount. It's kind of like having one of those sand clocks. You know, when you tip it over, hourglass. Hourglass, yes, hourglass. And you're kind of watching it decay, and so you can see what's happening today, but you don't know if it was. You know, how much sand was in the top initially, how much sand is in the bottom initially. They assume, they know, they can tell how much. And, and that gets a little tricky, especially when you have considered that there's groundwater flowing through these rocks continually. Right. And once they're below the water table, you have, you know, if they're really millions of years old, you've got millions of years of leaching of minerals in and out of the system. And so that you really sense. can't tell. Can that water put minerals back in that as well? That water can put okay. minerals back in. And some of these minerals, like uranium, is very soluble. Mm -hmm. It dissolves away. Okay. And so you're removing a lot of the uranium, and you're left with maybe more lead. And so that's going to make things look older as well. You have removed away a lot of the parent. And so to get the original amounts is very, very tricky. And I don't believe they can you know, validate these dates that they're putting out there. And they assume they're all real. Right. You know, They teach them as fact. You read Why? the geology textbooks. Well, because it fits their narrative. Mm -hmm. It fits their story of deep time. And so they, they, a lot of times you'll get dates, scattered dates, and they'll pick the dates. So oh, these are the accurate ones. These obviously can't be correct because they're too we'll young. We'll just ignore those old. data points, right? Yeah, and we've sent off samples at, in Grand Canyon where there's a, a lava flow that's buried near the bottom underneath all these sediments, flood sediments. Then there's lavas that, on the top that pour down over the canyon. Mm. And there's lavas that pour down over the canyon come up as older than the lavas underneath all the sediments of the canyon, which logically is impossible. Inconsistent. But, but that's the kind of things you see sometimes. And so the and what r really gets me, and I, and I talked about this in my book a little bit, A Carved in Stone, I summarize this, and other creations have pointed this out. There's been evolutionary or secular scientists have studied known volcanic eruptions. Right. In Hawaii and Italy and places, dated those, they're historic eruptions. We know when they happen, like Mount Vesuvius. You know when it happened because of historic records. And they date those rocks, and they get rocks that are orders of magnitude out of whack. They get millions of years. Right. And so there's only been about one instance that I know of where they actually got the right date. And that's probably just lucky. <laughs> you know, eventually, you, you shoot stop, enough, stop you're going to get it right. And so yeah. <laughs> the age dating methods, these other age dating methods are very precise. And, right. you know, that's a really you – know, the thought behind it all is, is, is a kind of a really cool chemistry experiment. But when they try to verify – where they know the dates and they use these methods, they almost always get it wrong. And so why would you assume that these are accurate then if you're almost always getting the wrong answer? And why when do you, you keep know trusting they are? it? Yeah, yeah. You, you, and then you trust these other dates, but it fits their story. Okay. They want millions and billions of years because they have to give enough time for, well, evolution could happen right. given enough time. And so it's kind of this shroud or this mystery that they can hide behind, almost like the Wizard of Oz hiding behind the you know, who's behind it all. Right. Well, they have to have this mystery of deep time in order for them to have evolution to have a chance. Seems kind of mystical. <laughs> it is. And, you know, as we talked about in an earlier episode, the, the fossil record doesn't really support that anyway. Right. Because it shows things showing up suddenly, fully formed, 
and so you really don't see the evidence of evolution. But these these great dates, you know, they they wanted they started talking in geology even before they had these techniques that started to develop in the 20th century. In the 19th century, they're already talking about millions of years. Right. And to me, and you can try, uh, try to imagine one million years. You know, you can kind of imagine a hundred years. You can imagine a thousand years. You can imagine a couple thousand years, the time of Christ. Mm-hmm. But you try to go 10,000 years, and like, well, okay, maybe. And then you start to do 100,000 years, and you're kind of losing, you know, okay, how long is that really? And then you get to a million, it's like, all right, I give up. It doesn't matter. You can't anymore. imagine a million years. Yeah. And so they jumped right from, you know, hundreds of thousands of years without any age dates to millions of years right off the bat because they knew if they're going to push evolution, they're going to need an unfathomable amount of time. It's almost like monopoly money. Right. Where it's just... Just keep adding more time. It's unfathomable. Yeah. And so they put these dates out there and they change the dates sometimes. You know, the extinction of dinosaurs was supposed to be 65 million years. And a few years ago, they went, oh, no, it's 66. You know, what's a million years? No big deal. But a million years, if they were real, that's a significant amount of time. Yeah. I think. I can't imagine it. Right. But but the the problem, and that's one of the problems. And so they come up with these numbers that are just really unimaginable numbers. It's almost like they're just play numbers. But that's what the techniques do. And they're based on all those assumptions. Right. That they, they measured the decay rate correctly, which is probably the most likely thing. But then they assume that decay rate has never, ever, 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 ever changed throughout all of eternity. Right. And then the other assumption is they can measure the parent product amount, original amount, and the daughter product amount, what's been de- derived directly from that parent accurately as well. And it's just a bunch of guessing. Which is a little different than carbon-14 where you're measuring the small amount that's left. Right. You, know, you do that a little bit differently. But all these other techniques, you need to know how much original parent you had, how much daughter was produced from that parent, and then you can backtrack the amount of time. Wow. So again, assuming the decay rates have never changed. So, a, and, and to me, the, the biggest problem is, is they're in the ground being flushed with water all the time. Right. And you're trying to tell me these things are sealed off, that I can go and, and measure the exact amounts of parent to daughter, get the exact ratio so I can determine the age. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And too then, too uh, much guesswork. And then, right. again, the bottom line is, okay, when we tested it against known ages, in almost every case, it failed. And, and yet they yet still we, teach these. We push it forward as, well, Fact. we don't. And they fine. do. They, they yeah, push it forward. Every geology straight. textbook, you know, even the movies you watch, they'll talk about millions of years, millions of years, mm-hmm. you know, as if we know these animals lived so many millions of years ago, and it's usually hundreds of millions of years. Right. And, and it just, started with a story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But carbon-14 is useful right. for maybe the first 3,000 years where we can verify it, where we know that the atmospheric conditions probably weren't too different than today. Right. But even that's an assumption. But if you can verify it with cone, coins or something of known age, then you can kind of uh, modify them. They've tried to use tree ring endocrinology as well, but they've had to kind of squeeze those around a little bit to get them to match as well. And uh, that's that's in itself is a bit of a problem because you can get more than one tree ring in a year. Mm. And so, you know, counting years on that is becomes almost an art as well. And so you can use that in carbon-14 to some respects and get a pretty good number for a few thousand years. But beyond that, any age date beyond a few thousand years is suspect, it's just in to the say mind. the least. I mean, just probably probably out right inaccurate unless you have a written record mm-hmm. of what happened mm-hmm. yes, in exactly. those years yeah and god tells mm-hmm. us through the genealogies in genesis mm-hmm. he tells us the flood was about 4500 years ago he tells us the creation was about 6000 years ago 
when you add up all those genealogies, you get a pretty clear picture. Yeah. Uh, people around here have, have said this before, and this isn't my idea, but if you were to read the Bible, give a Bible to someone who didn't ever hear about the millions and billions of years, they would read the Bible, they'd say, oh, yeah, the earth's sick, you know, five, 6,000 years old. If there, wasn't that, years old. if there wasn't already that presupposed notion right. that's kind of like pushed into you by culture push, and society mm-hmm. and the, the public school system. And, 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 and we're seeing today what's, what's called science isn't really based on science mm-hmm. in many cases. It's almost become political. And, and unfortunately, that's what evolution is. It was a, an agenda pushed by people who were purposely trying to push the you know, writings of Moses out of science. Right. And so they had to come up with their own separate narrative. They needed methods to show deep time. They needed methods to show to give evolution a chance. It's a lot and of effort. So they can explain <laughs> away, you know, what we see today, all life, you and me, yeah. as a product of this slow methodical evolution. Random chance. By random chance. And and it doesn't work. Yeah. It falls flat. We don't see anything evolving. We don't see evidence in the fossil record of anything evolving. We don't see evidence of these great Ages, we find carbon-14 still in dinosaur bones. We right. find carbon-14 in diamonds. We see the evidence that these are all young, yeah, thousands of years old, not millions. Wow. That's – it's it's strange. It's strange to, you know, talking to you mm-hmm. and to other scientists and just just learning more and more about how, like, man, there is this narrative mm-hmm. and, and, and anything to the contrary, it just kind of gets mm-hmm. pushed to the side, right? Oh, this, mm-hmm. this information doesn't fit. And so that's what we see with these dating methods, carbon. And, and I know there's a lot of well-meaning scientists you know, right. out there to come up with these techniques, but they, they got to realize that you know, they, they don't teach, when I took this in school, they don't really teach you the assumptions behind them. Right. Yeah, they teach you how to do, do the process. They teach process. you how to do the technique and the process. And so it's, it's very precise, but it's not accurate. Mm, wow. And so it's like, here's a target. I keep hitting the spot off to the side. I keep hitting that spot over and over and over, but the target's over here. Right, right. You know, you're very precise. It's a very precise method, really good, you know, high-tech chemistry, but it's based on faulty assumptions. They can't be verified. Mm. And as I mentioned, most of the time, if maybe every time except for one, they get the wrong answer when they know the age, yeah. and they test it using these methods. They get the wrong age. At that point, you'd think you'd mm-hmm. kind of move the target, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> in an earlier episode, we talked about Mount St. Helens. We tested yeah. that. We knew how old the lava was, mm-hmm. and we tested it, and it came back. You know, One method showed a couple hundred thousand years. I think one of them showed a couple million, and it erupted 10 or 20 years earlier. Yeah. We know when it erupted. So the secular explanation is, well, those are minerals that already crystallized in the earth and blah, blah. You know, They have to come up with all sorts of... You know, roundabout. So a band-aid on the on right. The problem. So, but the problem is, it gets inaccurate dates. So, why mm-hmm. do we believe any of their dates? Yeah, yeah. There's the verification is not there of these methods, but yet, you know, they're the ones that say we're crazy for not believing them. Right. Well, you've convinced me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was already convinced, but uh, you're, you're easy to convince. Uh, well, I well, I don't know if I should appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I mean, you're a lot the people, geologist. But people don't hear about that. They right. don't hear about these methods. They don't hear about the assumptions in them. They no one says anything about no, it. Nobody says it because if you criticize them, of course, you're, you're excluded from the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, many of these assumptions are not really brought up even in the classroom. And, you know, the faulty verification of them when they did all these tests back mm-hmm. in the 60s and, you know, since the 1960s, they've been doing these tests. And they've always, almost every time except for about once, have got the wrong answer. Way out of whack. We're talking 
Not just a little we're, bit wrong. No, we're talking millions of years off. Yeah, wow. Sometimes and 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 sometimes we showed with our rate project that ICR did, mm -hmm. we sent the same rock samples off to different labs to do different techniques. Mm -hmm. You know, doing a couple of different techniques, not just the same one. And we get things that are billions of years old to hundreds of millions of years old. I mean, you get a range of the techniques just, don't even agree right, with themselves. The, the techniques don't even date the same yeah. on the same rocks, and wow. so it's. It's what do you want? What do you want the answer to be? You know, that's that's the thing. And they know based on what they've done what they want the answers to be. So whenever they find numbers about in that range, they say, oh, these are good. Yeah. They find points that are above and below that. They're like, oh, those are bad data points. They must Toss have been somehow contaminated, but they don't really explain how. For sure. You know, how do you know you have a good sample? Because yeah, it already get, fits. Because <laughs> it fits. That's exactly it. And to me, how do you verify that nothing has moved in out of the system when you know? There's been groundwater moving. flowing in and out yeah. of the system for however old they say those rocks are. You know, we believe thousands of years, and even that would mess things up. Right. They're trying to say millions and billions of years. How do you get the right answer? I mean, they don't think about it. I guess, I don't think enough people study groundwater. Yeah. You know, when I went to school, it wasn't really studied unless you took a graduate class in it. Sounds like a fascinating topic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, if you try to bury nuclear waste today, right. you try to bury your garbage. Yeah. Everything leaks. Yeah. It's true. And so these systems leak as well. And mm. so you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to find a pristine sample of uranium turning into lead, for example, you know, the right isotopes. You're not going to be able to find pristine samples that give us the correct parent to daughter ratios. And that's what you need. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe sometime in the future we can have you on to talk about groundwater. No, we, we could do that. We could do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Clary. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And, uh, for all of our listeners and viewers, uh, remember that this show is available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, share. Please share with all your friends and families. We want to reach more people with the truth that we have. And uh, with that, I'm Trey. This has been the Creation Podcast, and we'll see you next time.